0: Hey friends, welcome to Naked in Truth, the podcast that's designed to open up your mind, to help you break down walls and barriers in your life that you might not even know exist yet. But don't worry, every wall that we break down together on this podcast allows you the opportunity to level up and create your impact. With that being said, I think it's time for us to get honest, vulnerable, and naked in truth. Well, hello, 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 and welcome back to the Naked in Truth podcast. It is me, Sari D, and I am not alone this week, guys. I have a very special guest here with me. So we have Mr. Alex Warren, who is a man of faith, and he is here to tell his testimony to us here today. And whether you have a relationship with God or not, I know that this is going to be an episode that is so, so pivotal in your life, okay? So guys, here is... Alex. And Alex, can you say hey to everybody? Let us know a little bit about yourself and where you're currently residing.
1: Absolutely. What's going on to everybody in Canada? Because I know you're in Canada. And then to everybody listening across the world, from in the States, from the United States to over and abroad. Um, listen, I'm, si- I'm excited to be here on this podcast. Every time that you can get an opportunity to share your story with someone else or with the masses. I mean, it's, it's humbling to do so. So understanding that's a part of my purpose. Um, so I'm Alex Warren, you guys, for those of you who don't know me, I'm an inspirational speaker. And my story uh, is something that has shaped my life like drastically, it's made me who I am today, so I'm excited to just share my story with you guys. So I live in sunny California. No, I don't like it you know i've I've been in California for the majority of my life originally from Tennessee, and so we moved here in ninety nine and I've been in California ever since. so no, it's not just the high taxes, but it's just the overall just view of things. don't get me wrong, the desert's nice, the mountains are okay, but you just need a little bit of greenery. Here and there, you know, and the four seasons, like I really don't care for snow at all. Mm. And yesterday, it snowed in California for like the third time. You're like, man, listen, stop, just stop. Let's just Mm. let's let's stop. There's one thing about California is their drivers are terrible. Like, I don't know about Canada, but that's uh,
0: Vancouver for you. If it snows there, it's like everybody off the road. It doesn't matter if it's a centimeter or what. It's like everybody get off the road because we can't do this anymore. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how it is because it, it's California is not equipped to like handle like rain and snow and all of that. So it's just it just gets uh, terrible. But nonetheless, I'm here in California. And, you know, again, it's, it's played a part in my story and, and my life. So I'm excited yeah. to just jump right in.
0: That's beautiful. Well, we're so excited to have you. And so I know a little bit about your background, but I want to go straight into your use so that the listeners can get a little bit of an understanding because you have always kind of been a man of faith. Is that correct?
1: Yes, ma'am. It is. I. It's like the phrase of being born in church, even though I wasn't born in church, but <laughs> I, I felt like that way because yeah. from the moment uh, I was in my mother's womb, it was just a constant flow of just scriptures, her reading scriptures, her playing the word on her belly. So uh-huh. it's every man has been dealt a measure of faith. And so I believe that even inside of the womb, it's, it's pivotal that you do these things with your children or if you ever plan on having children. Mm-hmm. I just believe that it's vital that it starts when we say it starts when we are young, which is true. And I believe it starts in the womb. Yes. Like you pick up characteristics and mannerisms that, you know, you've never seen your parents like move around or how they carry themselves. But when mm-hmm. you come out of the womb, it's like, you have their same mannerisms, even though you've never seen them. It's so, so true.
0: Well, it, like, you look at people who play classical music while they're pregnant mm-hmm. because they think that it's going to bring up the intelligence of their baby. Well, when you look at speaking scripture over, you know, a, a stomach like that, you're, you're literally speaking into your child's life, into their future, those words. Right. And so absolutely, that would have a lot of power behind it. And so right from very young, you were prophesied over. Is that
1: correct? Yes. So at two years old. So I was walking and talking before the age of one. Wow. So full blown sentences. I was pretty much changing my own diaper at that point. So, but it was prophesied over my life at two years old that I would be a pastor. So now understanding the pastoral role, now that I'm, you know, just a young man and understanding the pastoral role, it's more about responsibility than it is about, you know, the title or the call of, oh, he's a, he's a pastor. So it's just, just for the care of God's people is what that title is title means. So you're entitled to more responsibility, more so than just the title of being a pastor. So that was spoken over my life at two years old, because again, I've been walking and talking before the age of one. So, you know, sometimes people say, you know, he's going to be something because you feel like the child is advanced. Yeah, they stand out. Yes. And you feel like sometimes people are just talking and then there's a difference between talking and then just really prophesying like, no, like I feel this with my entire being, every fiber of my being is going to be something. So that was at two years old. And, and here we are now.
0: Well, and like what's really incredible with you is that you felt this connection so deeply and so young because, you know, many of us can't necessarily remember those times in our lives or maybe when we are thinking back to that young, it's more traumatic things that we're holding on to than these positive things that were spoken over our lives. And I do have to say that there is a good chunk that that has to go alongside with your parents as well of of carrying that legacy along with you as you're growing to keep reminding you of who you are, what's Mm -hmm. been spoken over you and, and where you're about to go with this right because it really needs to keep growing with you as you're growing right absolutely that's beautiful okay so now you were obviously the kid that stood out a lot so when it came to like kindergarten fitting in like what did it look like going into your earlier school years
1: So school years, so I've always taken like an early, like gravitation towards anything history related and anything English related. Okay, and so those were kind of my my main subjects in going to school. So kindergarten, it started off normal. Like, how old are you in kindergarten? By the way, like four or five. Four or five, yes. So kindergarten for me, like it was just the start of like what you think is normal. Like, again, you have your favorite subjects in school, but this is where I started to look different in my appearance. So kindergarten is really where it started. So about five and a half, okay. to six years old, that's when I started to lose my hair. So I've been bald since I was like five and a half years old. And okay. so that's it's just socially awkward. And then of understanding course. that kids can be cruel. Uh-huh. Like, you know, just talking about things that they don't understand. But I, and I don't even blame the kids. Well, then, and, the,
0: and that's the, the other part is that they don't have a filter. So it's like whatever they're thinking is like in front of everybody. And you're like, hello. OK, yeah, this is me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, who raised you? It's like, "What, mom, what did I say? Like, you said the truth, but it's just like, mm. no, nah, don't don't say it like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> kids were very honest and uh, sometimes the honesty came across in a form of bullying. So bullying started like at five years old. Wow, Bullying started early for me. So like you said, there are traumatic experiences that happen throughout the course of our life that can either define you Mm -hmm. or completely derail you in life. Mm -hmm. So I allowed it to be a defining moment and to catapult me into where I am now instead of being a derailing moment because some people let's face it, never return from certain things to that nature and even adults nowadays. So
0: So is that something I got to ask, is that something that you just naturally felt or is it something that like your mom was teaching you those hard lessons when you came home and you were trying to talk about bullying? Because like knowing that you're that make or break it because... I don't know. Like for me, when I ran into issues like that, I fell into the peer pressure. So I let everything derail me. And so then I was trying to like succumb to like this popularity or making boys like me or whatever it was. So my brain wasn't processing that that was even an option. So like either you were raised that way, either it's just that God was speaking to you. Maybe you don't even have the answer to this, but like what set you apart at that age? Because damn, most of us would be derailed, you know?
1: Uh, Absolutely. Um, I believe it's God himself. And so they're only like your parents lessons like they last in the home and then they you expect them as a parent for them to continue when you go out into the public place. So there are some things that like as a mama bear or any animal or any human being. A mother is always going to be protective over her child, over her mm. cup or or whatever the case may be. So sometimes the lessons that mama and daddy teach you go out the window when somebody is trying to hurt their child, whether physically or whether verbally. So the lessons for me, it was something that, yes, my mom, you know, be respectful and all of that. But when it came to bullying, that's just who I was. Yeah. It's You're just listening to God. Mm, yes. And you just can't, these are things that you can't fathom. Mm -mm. Kids would understand at that age, but my understanding of who God was and scripture at that age was on the level of what most adults should be. Absolutely. Well, and you know what?
0: I have a relationship with God, so I know that he's the unexplainable, but I like to tackle these these questions because I know a lot of these listeners are probably like, okay, yeah, you were just like, oh, I'm going to make the right decision at five years old because I know. And it's like, no, it it has absolutely nothing to do with Alex. It has everything to do with God and the calling on his life. So I just want to make that clear there. So, okay. So you're like, nope, nope. I'm not going to let this bother me. I'm going to keep growing with this, but something ended up happening. Over the next couple of years, that that really defined everything.
1: Absolutely. So five and a half is started. So on Fort Irwin is where you know I currently work now. Okay. Cuz the moment has come full circle for me. That was my father's first and last duty station from when we came from Tennessee in 99 landed in Further in California. Nothing like wow. what you see on TV and all the brochures and all that. <laughs> this is what that wasn't this California. You know. Like, hey, this is not <laughs> What what is it? What is this? This this can't be California. This is nothing what they advertised on TV. And so there on Ryland Drive, I remember it like it was yesterday, I was exposed to mold and asbestos. So I'm allergic to penicillin, which is, it's processed from mold and all of these yeah. things. And so I was exposed to mold and asbestos, which caused a brain mask on the left level of my brain, not growing on the outside, but growing on the inside. So a cancerous brain tumor, the size of a grapefruit, which was causing me to lose my hair
0: wow yeah because if you guys remember earlier on alex had mentioned that he was starting to lose his hair very early starting kindergarten and that's what really just set him apart so what age is this at that you guys are coming across this
1: so this is six like i'm six years old so it started with you know i tell most people um sometimes in how can i put this in culture your parents or your father experimented with you know your first haircut so my dad's been cutting my hair since i was two years old okay so my mom you know assuming that my dad does what he does he messed up my haircut this is what she (laughs) was assuming like like babe did you look at this did you do did you do this because i was losing it from the left side here and it was receding up and he was like like, i gave him a haircut in about two weeks and she's like okay that's odd yeah and then it started like patches so that's just awkward of just, course, just having patches. And so that's when we, uh, we were uh, taken to the hospital, Weed Hospital on post and Weed Hospital was like, OK, got to send him to Long Melinda because there are some of the, the equipment that we ha- that they have. We don't have. And that's when they found the, the brain mass. So this was six years old. So, wow. yeah, that's when life changed as we know it. I I
0: couldn't even imagine, you know, especially being a parent in those moments. Like, that's like the last thing that you ever want to hear. And and in those moments, you feel so helpless too, right? So so what was the next steps that you guys had to take from here? What did that journey of this look like?
1: So this, so I don't even wish this upon um, anybody. Not that I have enemies anyway, but I wouldn't even wish this upon like
0: the worst person out there trying to hurt the people the most
1: person, the, the child molester the rapist the I murderer like i wouldn't wish this pain upon anyone but i tell everybody if i had to do it again for the sake of humanity i would do it all over again mm. for the sake of humanity so i would bear it all so throughout this process they're just trying to see okay do we need to do chemo? Do we need to do radiation? Like what, what needs to take place? Is it too late to do anything? So now they're just, we're just running tests after tests, after tests. Now my childhood is not normal. So we, I'm not playing sports. I'm not being active. Like I once was yeah. because now in fear of not really in fear, but in precaution of like, okay, we don't, don't want, Hey, okay, we don't want no head trauma. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. We're going to stay away from all, you know, physical activities when it came to sports and all those things of that nature so and
0: like let's just be honest here too is the fact that you're you just got a diagnosis where you pretty much just got told that your life's being taken away at six years old you didn't even get Mm -hmm. to fulfill your life and they're trying to take away all the fun in your life in this time while you're trying to heal like like literally you got nothing left as a kid right when you think about it
1: you know i'm just I'm not even concerned. Honestly, truth be told, I wasn't even concerned about the cancer. It's just like, what? I can't play sports. Like that was, that was more (laughs) detrimental to me. I'm like, Uh I can't, I was just doing all of this. What do you mean? And as it continued to progress, I remember like having migraines to the point where like my head would swell, like my vision would be blurry. And I remember like being six years old, seven years old, like, slamming my head into the floor like not hard but just no like, I hear you yeah like make it stop make it stop sticking my my head in the freezer just to cool my just head because it, it was just that's why I'm saying I, I wouldn't wish this upon like anybody like and like anybody- we
0: all have had headaches that have been like I just want to rip my head off and like you know what right. I mean and so like I can't even imagine day after day of of you going through this and especially suffering at such a young age
1: right yes ma'am so for me me personally that those were some of the trying times and then mm-hmm. it goes back to being that that mama bear is just like i can physically do nothing for him yeah like there's nothing that we can we can do but pray but believe yeah but this is some of the toughest things that a mother has to endure, let alone the person who's enduring this. And so throughout this entire process, this just was trying. So this is where bullying increased even more. Now, no hair, no eyebrows, no bodily hair anywhere. So I'm hearing all of the, the jokes like, man, you look like a cancer patient. Like, knowing deep, like knowing deep down inside, like, man, I am. Damn. But I just, like you said, sometimes you fall into the peer pressure. Of like, OK, now I just want to be normal. Mm -hmm. even though I don't look normal, Mm -hmm. even though I don't feel normal, I'm just, I just want to be normal. Like I just want to fit in, like forget being unique for a second. Like I don't, I don't care about being unique. I just want, I just want to play sports. I just want to play with my friends. I want to do what everybody, I want to look like everybody else.
0: And I want to remind all of our listeners right now that Alex and his mom in this moment, were so helpless, right? Like that's what he's describing right now is this feeling of helplessness, but you know what they had to pick up with hope, that's what they had to keep persevering with. So your mom's clearly rooting you on at home. You're trying to make it through these long ass days at school. And and what's right. it looking like? What's these doctor's appointments looking like? Like
1: Long, long and excruciating because it's one thing to, because um, I was passing out, having seizures and convulsions at school, like <sighs> like during the day to where sometimes I would have to be transported to the hospital. But it's one thing. To be bullied, but it's another thing to be accused of by certain specialists that you're faking.
0: Mm. Oh, love that one!
1: <laughs> so you're like oh, faking, like there's nothing wrong with him, like he'll be fine, and you're just looking like there's nothing, like you don't you don't know that.
0: And, and you know what guys, like I just want this, this goes to a lot of my prior episodes is that there's good and evil on every side. There's good and evil in every occupation. And so Alex is not sitting here bashing doctors, but there are very much doctors that have made people feel so almost crazy in times Mm -hmm. where they are suffering so bad. And, and it's really hard when you're in situations with professionals that you need to trust, like teachers, like Mm -hmm. doctors, like psychologists. And they maybe aren't taking uh, a good approach and and it, it can, in a lack of better terms, fuck you right up while you're going through that really hard shit. And that's just what I want to note there is that we're not bashing doctors, but there right. is good and evil on every single side. And when mm-hmm. you're going through hard things and you're seeing 20 freaking doctors, it is so hard when you're re- repeating your story over and over and over again, and nobody has all your test results and you're trying to bring together this full picture for this doctor doctor. And then they don't even believe you when you're so tired and you don't even want to be there. So Mm -hmm. that's what I just want to really paint because I know a lot of people thankfully have not been sick. Thankfully have not spent a lot of time in the hospital. um, And I just know off of my personal experience and I didn't even have cancer. Okay. So Mm -hmm. just knowing how lonely, painful and scary it is when professionals don't trust something that, you know, is
1: so, so real. Absolutely. A hundred percent spot on just with just the feeling with emotions that most people feel. This is like this is flabbergasting to me. It's just like I wouldn't who wants to be here? Like Thank honestly, who, who, who wants to be in the hospital? Who wants to eat hospital food? Mm-hmm. Who wants to be around? Smell helping? that smell? Yes. Like, <laughs> you think I want to be here? So I'm gonna fake it. So I, so I can be here. Absolutely not. I'd rather be doing so many other things, but those were some of the things that were were happening in, in that time. So sometimes I was missing school three days at a time, two weeks at a time. So throughout this process where now, as we're going through just different grade levels, I was told I would never read and write on the same level level as everybody else on the level of everybody else. Like, oh yeah. This brain, man, it's just going to do so much to him to where he might not have the motor skills or just the comprehension.
0: So um, at this point in your life, what are you being promised with anymore? What's what's what, what is anybody telling you that you're left with nothing?
1: Right. Right. So at, well, it's, you have the, the human worldview and then you have the spiritual worldview. So of course in the spiritual worldview is, you know what, listen, we, we have hope. We have faith that, you know, you will make it through. And again, so I'm not like any other child at this point and not like most adults at this point. So, again, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl is dealt a measure of faith. Now it's up to you to either exercise that faith or you'll continue just to have the faith that you were given from birth. And so for me, like I said, these moments are pivotal is I've already had a measure of faith, but the things that my mother were doing, that my father was doing had equipped the faith, the things that I was hearing in church, the things that I was reading in the scriptures, those are, these are the things that built every aspect in every area of, of faith. And so in the faith worldview, of course, you were hearing hope, faith, optimism, mm-hmm. but sometimes in just restoration. Yes, in a human worldview, in a fallen state of mind, because that's exactly what the world is—is is we view things with a crookedness, like a, a fallen state. And so, in that view, of course, it's just like, well, maybe there's nothing that that we can do. We can try this medicine, we can try that, but it just comes to a point. It's like, man, I don't understand Western medicine. Is that everything that you take has a side effect? Like right? that doesn't that doesn't sit right with me. And again, we're not bashing doctors or or medicine because medicine has helped a lot of people it's just some things that i can't understand it's like you want me to take these things but it could possibly make me sicker yep 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 risk and
0: reward man risk and reward you really gotta assess it assess it properly for yourself you know
1: Absolutely. And that's just one thing that I wasn't willing to to risk when I when I believe something It's like, oh, there's no risk. And maybe people may say faith is a risk, like you're going out on the whim there and you don't really know if God is going to come through for you. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've said before, if you try to tell me that God isn't real or he doesn't exist, it's too late. Mm -hmm. It's too late. And the simple fact that we can have dialogue or different people can believe one thing and you can believe one thing even proves more that God exists. It's like, wow, we're not conformed to just one way of thinking mm-hmm. or just one perspective. You have, get, you have been given free will to think whatever it is that you desire. So whatever it is that you desire, you're free to think. And that even in that, that proves God is real. So in that time, yes. Yeah, so just that's what, why
0: everybody's too late is because you already know that he's so, so real. Right. It's too late. That's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Okay. So so now that these doctor's appointments are obviously not your favorite, um, what are they coming up with for a diagnosis? Like, what's your next step? Are you going to have to start chemo? What does that look like for you?
1: Absolutely. So now it started when we were six and we'll fast forward to the, the good part of just the entire journey of the things that we go through is so I was at Loma Linda Hospital. And they wanted to keep me there from anywhere from three weeks to three months just to run some tests, just to be sure on what was the best way to go about getting this tumor out. Because it was cancerous and then it can spread and we want to catch it before we spread, before it spreads. So in this process, I I believe Jesus rose in three days. And Mm -hmm. this is where I came in with the mindset of, look, I'll be out of here in three days. And doctors have been practicing medicine for twenty plus years, they're like, "Listen, son, listen, look, just let us do our job, and we'll see if you can get out of here in three days. No promises, yeah, okay, so they're running the tests what they're doing, they're doing all of these things, and so my pastor comes, and hes, you "No, know, you know, hey buddy, how you holding up?" I said, Oh, I'm good, like that's what I'm saying." you could see that there was something wrong with me, but by the way that I carried myself, there was nothing wrong with me. You
0: couldn't see his pain in his spirit is what he's saying, essentially.
1: Could so not see could it. See, but you couldn't see it. So it's just like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can see that there's something wrong with him, but I I can't see that there's something wrong with him by the way that he carries himself, mm-hmm. by the way that you talk, by the way that you walk or interact with, with people and so... We were believing for three days. And so they're running these tests. And so at nine years old, I was faced with a life altering decision. And this is not a decision that my mom forced me to make. My dad forced me to make any religious leader forced me to make. My mom gave me the decision. Like, look, this is his body. This is what he's going through. They asked, are we going to do chemo? Are we going to do radiation? Are we going to give him steroid shots? She said the choice is his so? At nine years old, she said, "What do you want to do?" I said, "Mom, I believe that I'm healed already." I said, "I don't want no chemo. I don't want no radiation. I don't want no steroid shots. I don't want any medicine that could possibly make me sicker." Now, of course, doctors will advise against because of one thing that they are sure of is statistics—statistics statistics of numbers on. How many trials were ran with chemo, how many trials were ran with radiation and how many people survive based off of data numbers. And so that's what they're sure about. They're sure about the numbers. And it does get kind of tricky mixing faith and then medicine. And then it's just conflicts of interest in that field. And so I didn't take the chemo. I didn't take the radiation. I didn't, you know, no steroid shots, no medicine. And so we had to do a, a spinal tap procedure. And in the spinal tap procedure is they had to give you anesthesia medicine because, not, you know, if you move, they could possibly paralyze you in this, this um, spinal tap. And this was just to run the spinal fluid to see, OK, has this spread? Like, what, what do we need to do from here? And so in that, my body was fighting the anesthesia medicine. And every time that they would try to do the spinal tap, my body would jump up even though I have no recollection of this jumping up, but oh, wow. this is what I was told. I said, man. So I would they would wheel me down and five minutes go by and I'm back in the room. And my mom's like, oh, you guys are done already? Like Mrs. Warren, look, we wheeled him down. He was asleep. As soon as we were about to poke him, he jumps up out of nowhere. So they gave me another dose, wheeled me down. Five minutes later, same thing. okay. Now we have to sign a waiver is because now we have to give them more, but this could possibly hurt them, but we need to get this done. And so they give me the dose and then they will me. I'm out. Now I'm out for 13 plus hours straight. Wow. Man. Like if, if that's
0: not a fight in and of itself, like, Holy smokes. I think all of us have been on anesthesia at some point and it's like, You know, I've actually had it in Canada and I actually had my appendix out in Mexico and they do use different um, anesthetic for it because you could just feel the difference between the two. And and I felt like in Canada, it knocks you out a lot quicker. And and in mm-hmm. Mexico, it's like a, a slower, all, it's so weird. But but both times, like, it's like you're out and people are saying all the funny things that you're saying and all those things. But no, this right. guy, it takes three shots before he finally goes down and almost a lethal dose of it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> a of the, and that's what it was. was like, Listen, we got to do this, but... This is this is crazy. So just the, the astonishment in their eyes was Absolutely. never seen that before. So just being a fire in every aspect of the word. And so after that, what could have been a lethal dose? Uh, I was out for about 13 plus hours straight. Okay. And this was the third morning. Now, this is the third morning. And, you know, they're trying everything humanly possible mm-hmm. to wake me up, poking me with needles, cold water, ice, Ooh. body as stiff as a board. And so but I could hear everything. It's kind of like um, I explained it like sleep paralysis. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You know how you can hear everything, but you can't move. Oh and you feel like God. you're having an out of body experience. And it's like, man, I can hear everything, but I can't move. And I know what I was believing for when I went into the hospital out of there in three days. Mm-hmm. So they were like, Mrs. Warren, everything has went so well, went so smoothly. But if Alex doesn't wake up and eat something, he can't go home. Immediately, I jump up.
0: No way!
1: Like, like, paranormal activity or something like. That. Whoa, whoa! Okay, this is this this is a little weird. Okay, no you know, we were trying everything humanly possible to wake this little boy up.
0: He just needs some
1: food. He just needed some food, <laughs> but it wasn't the food aspect. It was the fact that said that I couldn't go home. Um. And it's just like, I, I, oh, no, 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 no. We're, we're out of here. We're out of mm-hmm. here. This me is day three. This is day three. I said, body gets up. And then I hear plainly as day, tell him what I said. It's only my mom to the right of me in the room. And he says, tell him what I said. So like, you know, how you after school, you're tired and all of that. And you go home and you take a nap and yeah. then you wake up a little groggy. That's how that's how I was waking up out of the anesthetic is you're just like, oh man, I'm a little tired, I'm a little groggy, even though you've been out for 13 plus hours straight. yeah. But that's what I felt. And so the moment I get up, I said, he says I'm healed. And I'm looking like, okay, listen, this is too weird. They said, say it again. I said, he says I'm healed. They looked at my mom. She's to the right of me. And the doctor asked, "Ma'am, did the chaplain come into the room? She's like, no, sir. It's just been me and my son. He said, son, who told you that? I said, God told me I'm healed. I don't need no chemo. I don't need no radiation. I don't need no steroid shots. I don't need any medicine because God says I'm healed. And so they continued to run all the tests throughout the day. I ended up going home that night at around about 830. So I still made it out of there in three days. And so that was my, my time and my faith in that moment. And then Two weeks later, after, you know, they run all the tests and procedures, I remember the phone call like it was yesterday. I call my mom, and you know, I'm just, I forgot what I was doing, but her phone was ringing and she said, you know, it's the doctor. I'm like, okay, so we're all, I'm sitting there and she's like, you know, hello. He said, Mrs. Warren, this is Dr. such and such here in Melinda. You know, we have Alex test results on, you know, everything that we did about two weeks ago. She's like, okay. He said, ma'am, are you sitting down? Like, it couldn't get, it couldn't get, it couldn't get you know, worse
0: than that. Couldn't like you're just like, worse. oh
1: my God. It, it couldn't get any worse <sighs> than this. And one thing that I told my mom at the hospital when we were going throughout the test, I said, mom, I said, whether I live or die, it's okay. It's like, boy, don't say that, but I understand but that's just where my understanding was is whether I live or die it's okay yeah and so
0: oh and like as a parent like it's like <laughs> your mom was probably like a I raised the best boy in the right. entire world to try to comfort me like that and like B, though like not comforting
1: <laughs> yeah it's like, I'm like okay we raised a good child and it's like but don't tell me that don't don't damn, say damn <laughs> yeah, it's like, don't say that don't tell me that right now don't don't say that but you know to get through but that's that's always been been my mindset and so yeah. again whether i live or die it, it, it's okay regardless of what happens Amen. and so he calls asks is she sitting down do i need to and she's like well no okay ma'am listen I don't don't know how to tell you this. I've been practicing medicine for 25 plus years. Your son had a brain mass the size of a grapefruit on the left lobe of his brain. He said, ma'am, it's gone. He said, I don't know what God you guys believe in or what God you guys serve. He said, but we believe. Can you bring Alex back in? So we ended up going like, the next day, because they wanted to run some tests just to be sure, you know. Again, mm-hmm. doctors want to be sure before they just give a a diagnosis or good news and yeah, some clearance let's for you. sure. Or clearance. So we get there. Nurses are crying, hugging me. Oh, like, oh my god, you are like you're, you're a miracle. God yeah, saved you. You're a for, miracle child for, for, for a reason. And I'm just like, for me, my again, it was no astonishment. It was. Like I, you know how you say, "I told you so," but it wasn't a mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like, ha ha. It, it
0: wasn't so. in vain. It right, was. Right. That it I it, knew it wasn't
1: in vain. It wasn't to be facetious. Mm-hmm. It was just like, no, like I told you. Like it's not. It has nothing to do with me. It's like I just know who God is, and I know what He told me, and I knew this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. To where I don't need to be astonished. I don't need to be surprised. Like, oh man, what's well, gone? Mm-hmm. Like I knew. It was gone in the moments that I was telling them, even though they saw something, they had sight, but they didn't have vision. So sight is what you see in front of you. Sight is what you see, like the problem, the the turmoil, the tribulations, the things that you go through, whether it be a a failing marriage, a dying loved one, or whatever the case may be. Sight is what you see in front of you. Vision is what you see with your eyes closed.
0: Wow. Wow. That's so good. Like, Holy smokes. If you guys are not just completely blown away, you know, it's, I firmly believe that God gives us all gifts. And, you know, I think that a lot of us sometimes miss our mark on, on realizing what they are. And I think that it takes a lot of um, faith and trust that you are listening to the right voice when the path that everybody else is following is so wide. Um, Mm -hmm. and I think that that's what, what really stands out to me in this story is just your trust in what you were hearing. Um, and I think that that goes back to that. I told you so moment is you're like, I, I know what I heard. Um, you know what I mean? And, 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 you know, that you know that God's not looking for you to have this big party for him. He just wants right. you to know that it was him. And that's that's all that he wants is that credit of saying, absolutely. absolutely. So, okay, so this happens to you. You obviously are this miracle child. Where does your life take you after nine years old? How is the healing journey for you? And where do you kind of see your life going through those teen years?
1: Right, so I think as a young adolescent Life is a little bit easier to bear. And so I know what God has done for me at that portion of my life. The church knows, but my peers didn't know. I just I don't know what it is, but I couldn't come to the to grips in terms of just them being right of like, yeah, hey guys, I was this cancer patient. And then I didn't want to spook my friends like, hey, this is what happened. So to nobody
0: me. really knew then.
1: Nobody, no, nobody knew until about a year, a year and a half ago.
0: No, nobody.
1: So oh, no okay. people I grew up with.
0: If that's not humble in and of itself, though, like I think that that also goes to go and show just who you are, and 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 also just see how much God really is behind you on this, because you know, Absolutely. I think I think most humans would be like, check out this story. You know what I mean? Um, right. So I think that that's that's really incredible of you
1: yes ma'am i I'm, I just wanted to fit in still, like regardless of what happened, what just transpired, I just still wanted to be normal, mm-hmm. even though this experience wasn't it wasn't normal normal, it was supernatural, and most people don't understand the supernatural, and when you are born again, the supernatural now becomes natural, meaning it becomes the norm for you, mm-hmm. so these things that are happening are not a surprise, and so for me, I still. Like was ashamed. It's like, man, I don't, I don't want to go. I was going from school to school because we moved like several times before we got to a permanent destination. And every school I go to, my mom has to we have to have a private meeting with the principal. Hey, he has to wear hats at all times because he has no hair follicles on his head. And he went through this, he went through that. And it embarrassed me. Like I got embarrassed. I'm just like, yeah. mom, please stop telling. My story, story, yeah. everybody the you know, the principles are, Oh my God. Like I didn't want no special treatment. treatment. I just wanted to be normal. Mm-hmm. And, mom, and I would be upset with my mom. irate. like she didn't go through all that with me. Like mom, stop doing that. Mm-hmm. It's like, boy, you, you can't be ashamed of what God has done for you. I'm like, mom, but we don't got to tell everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and it's not well, you, uh, fitness, you get what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Well, and like, the thing is, is that you already knew at that age that people weren't going to understand that it was God you knew that that was just going to be a story that was going to set you apart. Not that everybody was like, Oh God moves. So good. You know what I mean? Like everybody at that age was not going to be sitting in the circle chatting like that with you. Right. Like, let's just be honest. And so it, it was a great story to your mom because she's at that age where, you know, that's that. that's normal, right? Where, right. Where, where you can talk about that kind of thing. But I feel like, you know, it's, it's not something that you see definitely in today's day and age in school, and they're really yeah. trying to remove God from school more and more and more. So, you know, just having any types of those conversations when you're not actually right. going to a Catholic school or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So no, very, very interesting. Okay, so now you have now started to tell your story because obviously it's his perfect timing for the story to be told. So where is this taking you from here? Where, what kind of opportunities have you had with this um, story? Cause I know that you are quite the inspirational speaker.
1: Yes, ma'am. So this story has, I know COVID has just locked down a few things, but so I go back to my old high school. I've shared the story with just high school kids. So teaching people, like, listen, it's okay to, to love God. It's okay to talk about God at such an early age. Uh, youth groups. So I've been in youth groups, sports teams. So I, I'll go and I'll share part of just, again, what I've gone through, adversity, and just showing them that it doesn't matter what you go through. Again, it defines you, but it doesn't have to derail you. Mm-hmm. And so teaching people, again, about faith, like everything in this life, it takes faith. Even if it's just this small, it says the faith of a mustard seed can move a mountain. Mm -hmm. Do you believe it can? So giving people and equipping them with the the belief that even the faith of a mustard seed, which is tiny. And the reason why it says the faith of a mustard seed, because God knows he's giving you that much. So success is built into the product. Mm -hmm. So you have an Apple iPhone or you know, a, a MacBook or an Android. So, Android, they built the creator of the Android and the iPhone, they built these products to be successful. They don't build the product to fail.
0: Yeah.
1: So, meaning, if God has created you, he's created you with everything that you need to, to be successful. Beautiful. So, that's how I view my life. And, and so, that's what I, I just do now. So, just I have awareness. Yeah. And so, just keeping, teaching people to be aware.
0: Absolutely. So what's your overall vision, not your sight, of Mm -hmm. where you want this to grow?
1: So for me, I want this book. So I have a children's book that's written with this story and it's still being illustrated as we speak. So that way, even children from two, three, four years old can can read this story and this can just have some shape and some form in their life. And so we're looking for May, May, it should be all done and all illustrated. And so just really take my time with that. So just a children's book portion of that, and then just continuing to share this with the masses. So wherever God decides this to go and how large it's going to go, I've foreseen when I was seven years old, me standing on stages, packed, packed crowds, but not for my name's sake, but for just the sake of God. So just being a, you know equipped at every stage in every journey of my life, even when you share- I share this with one person on my job, so it's just no no opportunity or no stage is too small, mm-hmm. like if you believe that touching one person is insignificant, you've failed already yes, yes, that is. At.
0: Wow, very good advice for all of us that we can apply in so many different ways, guys, because we impact people in many different ways without realizing it. And, you know, mm-hmm. Alex, I'm so grateful that God used you the way that He has, that you are here to keep inspiring other people. And the other thing is, too, is that you're opening up a lot of people's relationships with God. And that's kind of how I want to finish this podcast off is is, you know, Alex and I have talked prior about how, God is not a religion. God is a relationship that you need to have. And, you know, a lot of people who are listening and who follow me on Instagram probably don't even know that I'm a Christian. And it's not because I don't talk uh, about being a Christian. It's because I want you guys to be able to see my relationship by the way that I treat others, to see my relationship with God on how I love on you. And that's where we come up with this love always wins is because that's where you got to lead with. And that's how I want to be known as a Christian is simply just how I lead my life, not because I go to church, not because I'm at the best church that in, in town or whatever it is, right. It's all about that relationship. And so I know that this pandemic has been more than enough for all of us on top of everything that's life that life is giving us. And so many people, unfortunately, are getting sick outside of, of uh COVID itself. And, you know, I want this story to be an opportunity to open up your heart to something bigger if you don't believe in something bigger. And, you know, right. I know that. Alex would be happy to answer any questions that you have. I would be happy to answer any questions that you have. Um, But I think it's really important for us to move forward with hope and faith in something, no matter what that is. And I think that... We have really blanketed things to look so black and white that it needs to be uh, a a religion and and it needs to have a a denomination attached to it. And it needs to be, you know, all these things that fit you in a box that make you either black or white, but that's not God. God is everything in between. And that's what I really wanted this story to come off as because it's not something that I usually talk about, but it is something that sets me so apart from other people. Um, So Alex, I want to know what, how can people get in contact with you? Obviously, when that book comes out, we got lots of people with kiddos that I know would love to read that. So we will be blasting that out on all of our platforms. But in the meantime, how can we come in contact with you?
1: You guys can follow me on Instagram at I am Alex Warren. And that's what I pretty much use the most. I know we have TikTok and all these other things, but I think the most effective way is going to be on IG, Instagram. So you can follow me again at I am Alex Warren. You can DM me. You can comment on my post. That way I can see your questions. But feel free to just hit me up and I'm I'm an open book. And all you got to do is ask. I believe in doing life with people. And, like you said, is people have to see the life long before they ever see what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, as long as you continue to treat people with love and understand that love is a choice, mm-hmm. love is not like a feeling because feelings are fickle, they change and they blow with the wind. Like one day I say I love you, and the next day I claim to hate you. Mm-hmm. So, love always wins when you choose to love.
0: I love that. That is so, so good. What a great way to close off this podcast. So I will make sure that I tag everywhere where we can reach you in the notes. But I just want to thank you so much for your time. It was honestly great having you on here. And uh, hopefully we'll get to have you again on in the future. Okay?
1: Absolutely.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much again for tuning in. And you know that I will catch you next fucking Monday. And that's another Honest Episode Dropped. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to Naked in Truth, where we come together every Monday morning to set the week off with intention. Don't forget to head over to our Instagram page, at Naked in Truth Podcast, to stay up to date on future episodes, guest speakers, and other kick-ass info that can help you continue to create your impact. And you know that reviews are so valuable when it comes to building a community of like-minded people. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please, please, please drop some love on Apple podcast reviews and share this episode with someone who you think needs it. Thank you guys so much again for tuning into today's episode. I'll catch you next Monday. And don't forget, love always wins.